Welcome back to the Church Hurts Podcast. This week, our guest is Tosh McGill. She is a writer and strategist and a transformationist. You can find her at thetransformationist.org. Um, she is a force, and this is such a good episode, uh, specifically dealing with churches and their ability to be honest about who they are and what they believe, and maybe some of the hurts that causes the people in the church, specifically women and women in ministry. And so this is a great conversation. I'm so grateful to her for coming out. And so without further ado, here is this week's episode of the Church Hurts Podcast. and welcome back to the Church Hurts Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Josh McLemore, and today I have with me a friend of mine, uh, Tosh McGill. Tosh McGill, say hello to everyone. Oh, hello. Kia ora, as we would say. <laughs> right. I, I felt, are you going to, are you going to put in a lot of New Zealand stuff in here? Cause I feel like you need to. <laughs> uh, the New Zealand is in me. The Aotearoa is in me. So it, it kind of, it'll come out whenever it's, whenever it's ready to come out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> Uh, just real quick on the front end, nothing to do with church hurts, but uh, I don't know if you saw, but apparently they're going to give uh, Taika Waititi a Star Wars movie, and I'm I'm here for it. I, I hope you are too. Oh, I am beyond here for it. Uh, <laughs> any, look, anything anything Taika wants to do, anything that he feels creatively inspired to do, he's going to turn into, I think, something genius. Uh, so I'm pretty excited. I, I'm very excited. So we'll, we'll, we'll touch back on, on that, but that doesn't have anything to do with this. Um, <laughs> so, so this podcast is about church hurts and and dealing with uh, church hurts and being hurt from church. Uh, and so before we kind of get into the story that you're going to share with us today, if you could just give us a flyover of um, kind of what is Tasha's connection to the church uh, leading up to kind of the story that you're going to share with us. Sure. I mean, I... In so many respects, my story feels very commonplace and at the same time, totally different from so many people that I know and experience. So I had grown up in the church as a young kid, but my parents divorced when I was uh, about eight years old. And so from the time of eight, like faith was something that was still part of our family narrative, but I wasn't a church goer. And in fact, our family had had such an awful experience. And while we were going through this divorce um, with the way that the church kind of responded, our local church, you know, um, mm. the way they responded and, and what their expectations were of us and and how they did and didn't support, you know, both of my parents. And so mm. we, you know, I kind of was like, I would say, and this might sound ridiculous, but but this is the world we live in, right? As a, as a middle schooler, I was going through life with a big chip on my shoulder as far as church was concerned. Um, sure. And I, I would actively say things like, you know, Jesus, I'm down with you. I'm okay with, I'm okay with this. God, I'm okay with your son. I'm okay with that whole concept. But your church and your people suck. Mm. I was so the Gandhi 10. approach, huh? I was 10. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, right. I remember being in school, having full on debates with, um, you know, New Zealand, it just in of itself, New Zealand is, is a post-Christian country, right? Um, mm. So so less than, I think it's it's 10% or less um, in the last census, which was just last year, uh, actually kind of, you know, count themselves as being Christian and of and, and church attendance within that is is, is you know, pretty low in fact 
Now that's that's actually less than what it was when I was a kid. <clears throat> Not going to talk about how old I am, but yeah. um, <laughs> but that was I I went through. Right now, you know, you talk to a middle schooler, you talk to a high schooler. Um, divorce amongst parents is probably pretty common. When my parents got divorced, and our and our family unit changed from being this church going, um, you know, pretty normal family unit. Uh, I was eight and nine years old and I was the only kid in my class at school who had divorced parents. Now, by the time mm. I finished high school, you know, 30, 40% of my classmates had had parents who were going through some sort of divorce or separation at that time. So that's the cultural shift that we were going through in our, in our kind of society. Now, divorce, second marriages, you know, blended families, that whole thing is a lot more commonplace than what it was mm. when I was growing up. So taking all of that then into this church context, now the church didn't really know what to do with, with you know, divorcing families who still wanted to practice a faith, right? That wasn't, right. That, that was dichotomous at that particular moment in time. But, you know, we grow in our maturity and our understanding. I ended up, um, because my, my best friend at high school um, wanted to go to this like Christian summer camp. And I had been to that camp as a kid when my parents were, were deeply involved in youth ministry and youth work. Uh, and so I went along with her. Then I ended up, man, feeling so convicted by God about um, just the importance of community and that I had been, you know, doing a faith track by myself, um, isolated, you know, with really just like my family, you know, around me, the extent to which that was involved in. So I, I went back in, but I went back in with this very... Um, this very in, uh, intense sense and desire that I wanted I wanted my contribution to church. A, I, I didn't want to go to church. I wanted to contribute. I wanted to participate in, in you know, the body of Christ. I wanted to, to participate in making it better and helping us be better than what we had experienced as a family. So I went to youth right. group. <laughs> I know that you said flyover, but this trust me, I can land this plane quickly. No, you're doing good. Keep so going. I went, into, I went into youth group right? Coming back to church as like a 16 year old, went back into mm-hmm. youth group. And again, I was like, man, God, I'm into you. I'm into your son. Like, this is cool, but your people suck. Youth mm-hmm. group is terrible. These people are obnoxious. They've got like no idea how to talk to somebody who isn't just like them. No mm, idea yeah. how to talk to somebody who, who hasn't just grown up as one of the church families that's been there forever. So I got involved in youth ministry because I wanted to make it better. Mm. And so by the time, um, when when we're about to jump into this story that I wanted to share today, um, yeah, I'm in my early 20s, uh, okay. late teens, early 20s, and I've spent, um, I've spent three years uh, working as a volunteer in our uh, middle school ministry at the church. Um, mm. I've just finished uh, a year of working um uh, working full time at Youth for Christ um, as a volunteer, I am deeply involved in making the church a better place, um, and I am wrestling at this time in my life with a with a sense, a deep sense of call to youth ministry, but not really being a hundred percent sure what that was going to look like, because I also mm. was like, I want to have a job that pays me money. Yeah, it's weird <laughs> how that works, huh? <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I had this I had this love of broadcasting and radio and I was doing that part time and I was, you know, had had spent a year working at Youth for Christ and was, you know, thinking about am I gonna just work in like well I work in Christian radio and will that be how I make a difference? And you know, all of mm-hmm. those things that you wrestle with when you're a, when you're a young person and you're dealing with call. And that brings me to this moment in time where 
uh, where I'm, uh, I would say I'm, I'm passionate and earnest and eager um, and also vulnerable because I don't see everything that's going on around me. I, I take things for what they are on the surface because that's what I've known and mm. I am not necessarily, uh, I haven't necessarily learned how to read the room and then read everything else that's going on in the room. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I want to kind of dig into that. So when you say that, um, you know, kind of being sort of a, I don't, uh, kind of new to the church, but not new, you know what I'm saying? Like you came back in kind of, you took a, you took this break and you come back in. Do you think part of the not being able to read the roomness was maybe not being as clear on how to navigate kind of churchy situations or just in general, as a young person, um, you kind of were not paying attention to some of those things. Is that, you know what? I think it's both. And it's an insightful okay. question. I think it's both. And I think there are some, just some practicalities about learning yourself and learning self-awareness, right? Sometimes mm. you don't even know what you feel about something until you right. encounter something that feel, doesn't feel good or it doesn't, or it doesn't sit with your, with your internal compass and you don't even necessarily realize up until that point that you had that 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 was where your compass was sitting um Mm -hmm. or the direction it was pointing but when you when something bumps up against it or you try or someone's trying to make you go in the opposite direction you're like wait wait wait, no that doesn't sit what's going on here Mm -hmm. so i think that is part of growing up it's part of growing um wide in terms of broadening our sense of self-awareness and awareness of others but i do think um and i used to talk about this as um there was a significant period in my life where um, where I sort of class myself as a spiritual orphan. And particularly because um, the church that I ended up going to was a church that was, you know, a very typical suburban, um, you know, middle of the road uh, Baptist church. Um, now, mm. I got to clarify here, not Southern Baptist, New Zealand Baptist, which is a little bit different. Um, mm. A lot more spectrum, um, a lot more spectrum, not necessarily as conservative as a traditional Baptist church. Um, you know, might be here in in the US. Um, but that being said, you know, it was it was a traditional um, suburban church where most of these families had been growing up together um, for a long period of time, and so there were mm-hmm. you know grandparents who were elders and deacons, and parents who were being groomed for eldership and deaconship and you know the kids were all you know either cousins or had grown up together or were neighbors and went to school together and so there was a lot of insular uh there was a lot of insular community for sure um but um you know but but in finding your way through that you kind of you know you're trying to figure out what is the what's the lay of the land here you're learning culture um as you go as you go through that process um, which yeah, I think is, is cool. Now, and now I will say this, like I was pretty out of the box when I turned up at that church, right? Like um, I don't know that anybody. Because you're so in the box now. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What happened is that I was like out of the box as a teenager. And then, right. and then as I've matured, I've really got much further into the box. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It's not, it's not how it went, but the, um, the I was you know I was a little bit different I I, I was independent I was mm-hmm. um, motivated to make a difference I believed that I could make a difference you know um, and so as a as a seventeen year old and eighteen year old 
uh, I ended up, you know, working with and leading the middle school ministry, um, which was a Friday night social program. You know, my friends and I all just kind of chipped in to make this thing happen. And next thing you know, mm-hmm. we've got 100 kids turning up on a Friday night and there's mm-hmm. 30 kids turning up to the youth program on a Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Now, we had a, um, there was a great youth pastor that came to work at that church at the time. Um, and he, uh, he saw and encouraged and supported um, my exploration of call um, and my uh, exploration and leadership in, the, in these different areas. So mm-hmm. when he left and said, hey, come join me at this new church um, because, uh, you know, I think there's an opportunity for you here. Um, come intern for me, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and you can go further in this place than, than you've been able to go here in terms of exploring call. I was like, okay, I'm in for sure. All right. So I went to visit this new church, <laughs> you know, I was, I talked with people, I met some of the people who were on their discipleship team, they were wise, insightful, and I will say this now, like one, um, you know, one or two of the people that I, um, that I met, and particularly that I engaged with, you know, in my own kind of mentorship, some women who, um, women and men, but primarily I'm thinking of one woman who really, like, sh- helped to shepherd me through and taught me how to read the room in a church context, perhaps more mm. than, you know, than anybody else had at that point. They were incredible people. But, uh, but <laughs> um, I went to this church um, ready to serve, ready to serve my friend who was the youth pastor, ready to grow, to be stretched. Um, I started looking at what the, what a training option would look like for me in terms of um, going to uh, uh, going to Bible college or seminary. Um, mm-hmm. And I spent, three years trying to do the work that I was meant to do with this constant promise of, yeah, 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 we're going to get you an internship. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get you a, a role. Yeah, we're going to get you a, um, you know, like an assistant youth pastor thing. It's going to be part-time, but yeah, we're going to get you some responsibility and 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 this is going to be the start of your career. Mm-hmm. Now, I think, you know, you're probably thinking at this point, Tash, what were you doing? Like, you're a smart lady. I mean, maybe sometimes, you know, people might say <laughs> smart ass, but <laughs> lady, you know, three years, what are you doing? Like, why are you? And here's what, and here's what was happening. Um, I was, uh, I was not reading the room. Um, and I was, pro- but I was also proactively um, being deceived. If I mm. like, just to call it what it is, I was proactively being deceived. Um, not necessarily by my friend who was the youth pastor, but, but the, the, and, and this may sound tough, you know, cause I'm a gracious, compassionate person, but honestly, <laughs> this church was presenting themselves as one thing and mm. they were not that thing. Um, right. and I think we've all been there, right? We make the joke about like, um, you know, all the Baptist churches that, ch- that changed their name to community church because they don't want to be associated <laughs> with what Baptist church really means. Right. Right. We all know this track. Um, there are things that we get in. There are things we don't, we're not embarrassed about it because if we were embarrassed about it, we would, we would actually do work on whether or not that core belief that we hold to is right or wrong. If, mm-hmm. if you know, if we were truly convicted about it, we would, we would change the belief. No, what it is is that we hold the belief but we're not sure how other people are going to respond to it. And so we kind of couch that belief down, you know, that bottom line theology, that bottom line doctrine, 
we couch it down under a bunch of language that makes us sound approachable, that makes us sound like, oh, yeah, that's mm. exactly what I'm looking for. Or, oh, yes, that is that is what I want. Yeah, family values and like Bible-led, absolutely. Boom. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, uh, and, to, and honestly, like even in telling this story, there might be some of your listeners who are just like, what the heck? What are you criticizing that for? That that's that's my language. That's my church. That's cool. You know what? That's totally fine. But all I'm talking about, I guess, in this instance, is my experience where I found myself um, uh, sucked into what the to what the church was selling in terms of um, their belief systems, their structures, the way they felt about women in leadership, the way they mm-hmm. felt about um, the way they felt about um, developing young people, the way they felt about um, you know, giving people career opportunities and helping train them and helping disciple them into the next phase of their life and leadership. Um, the What they were saying about those things that presented me with an opportunity that made me feel like, yeah, I was actually giving my, my life, my energy, my resource into a place that was, you know, equally committed to my growth was mm. not true. They, yeah, and it sounds... <laughs> go on, sorry. No, go um, but It just sounds like <clears throat> they were comfortable to let you um serve and and minister to a point uh but then there's like a cutoff of like where how far you can actually go and i think there's a lot of people that would sympathize with that in churches that have kind of said oh we're gonna give you this and you're gonna do this and we're gonna we're gonna let you do this eventually there's a lot of eventuallys right like you see it all the time in church job postings of like We'll do it part time with the potential for full time, and I see that sometimes, and I'm like, "You're never, you're never gonna go, you're never gonna mm-hmm. go full time." Mm-hmm. And I know that's different than this, but at the same time, it's this idea of being promised something uh, by an institution that, you know, because of kind of the 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 deception that's happening, you know, at its very core, can't really ever deliver on those promises. Uh, and it sounds like that's kind of what you're you're running into there. One hundred percent. I mean, so so the you know the reality in this particular church scenario is that um, you know my 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 friend and former former leader had gone to work there, and you know in good faith, and and he was very comfortable in that position. Um, uh, they were a um, they presented themselves as as a non denominational uh, church that was mm-hmm. Bible led in terms of their teaching. Um, that had a strong focus on discipleship. And I tell you what, the preaching was great and it was exegetical until you came out, uh, until, you know, like two years into being in the place, we're working through our chronological, you know, kind of journey through the Bible. And all of a sudden we're bumping up against, you know, what the Holy Spirit is doing in Acts. And I discover for the first time, because it's not anywhere written in their doctrinal statements, it's not anywhere in their mission statement or in their value mm-hmm. statements, I discover for the first time that, oh my goodness, they're cessationists. Okay, what? They <laughs> genuinely, like, which is fine. Now, I'm totally down with, like, people who, uh, you know, I, I can 100% respect the fact that people can hold that position theologically. Um, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not here to argue that because that that that's actually unnecessary. Let us sure. wander into the mystery together. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but the but but here's the thing. Don't you think you should tell people that? Like, mm. like, isn't it right just to tell people, hey, this is what we believe, and not just. And this is, I guess, my my crazy thing on it is that you know the statement of faith that you see 
um, the statement of faith that most churches put on their websites, you know, the thing that most people look at if they're trying to figure out, you know, is this place a freaky cult or like going to make me <laughs> right. like wear my hair in a certain way or what have you, um, you know, actually, I don't, I mean, I work with a lot of different churches and organizations and I tell you, you can take those statements of faith um, and this is going to break people's hearts because, you know, we know that you've slaved over them in many a committee meeting over a mm. long period of time. But the reality is, is that you can take the majority of those statements of faith, line them up next together, shuffle them around, and you won't be able to tell which one belongs to who because we yeah, have this tendency point. to focus on the big block stuff. The big block stuff is what brings us together, but the stuff that tears us apart is the little block stuff that we are too afraid to talk about and just tell the truth about. So mm-hmm. we end up, uh, we end up thinking that we're on the same page in terms of big, big block capacity, right? There was no point at which anybody in that church ever said to me, uh, for two and a half years, "Well, you're a woman, you're a woman, and we don't believe in women in leadership um, outside of teaching in the children's ministry." No one said mm-hmm. that to me, and yet that was actually their core belief. Uh, three years yeah. down track youth pastor has left under some pretty tragic circumstances things are not going well I've been holding the youth ministry together because I've been holding on in this till I see volunteer you know will I won't be be an intern get a real job type scenario busting Mm -hmm. my butt working a full-time job and then giving 20 hours a week to the church plus I'm holding the youth ministry together I'm in meetings with the eldership I'm having conversations, you know, we're talking through what's going to happen, what the plan is, you know, I'm presenting my, I'm presenting my vision for the next year, my, you know, overall youth ministry program, talking about budgets, talking about leadership development tracks for, you know, all of the leaders who are volunteering, all these sorts of things, right? Uh, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the work, I'm in this process and conversation, and finally at six o'clock on a Friday night, having just come from another eldership meeting, one of the members of the one of the members of the elders calls me on my phone uh, and says, "Hey, look, you know, we just want to, um, you know, we want to say thank you for everything that you've done, but um, but ultimately, um, you're not going to be getting this role. Um, you know, it's just too much and it's a push too far um, to give a job to, you know, to give this job to a woman. We just really believe that it needs to be a man." Mm. And I'm like, at what point? At what point in the process? Were you going to let me in on that little nugget that actually fundamentally, uh, because as we started to pull back the layers, fundamentally, I mean, and, you know, I'm, by this time, I'm, I'm a smart person. I've had more than a few kind of head-butting situations in this church, um, you know, as you work through just the realities of doing ministry day to day. At what point were they going to say, hey, look, ultimately, <laughs> the core problem here, Tash, is that you're a woman. And you want to do youth ministry instead of kids ministry. And if you wanted to do kids ministry, that would be fine. But because you want to do youth ministry, we're having theological debates about how old um, how old a teenage boy has to be before he can no longer be led by a woman. Mm. So th- that that that's a statement that came out of, of the mouth of the elder. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, I want to I want to pull. Gosh, good lord. Okay, so I want to, I want to, I want to move back. I want to move back a little bit because you've said something a couple of times, and and I every time you you say it, it like hits me in the gut, and so I want to unpack it. Um, but this idea that um a church like that 
Uh, and I got a feeling there's quite a bit of people that would be listening that are maybe in churches that are are more in that bent. And, you know, that's that's whatever. But this idea of we would let you do this role in children's ministry, mm-hmm. but, but not but not in youth ministry. And I mean, I see that like all the time and, and, and it kind of works backwards, but I don't want to get off track. But the idea that like women are for children's ministry, men are for youth ministry. Where the heck does that, what do you think that comes from? Well, honestly, um, I think it comes out of, I think it comes out of Paul's teachings about, about, mm. uh, about the roles that women can and can't have in the church. Um, you know, and I think like we have to, so we have to be upfront about that, right? It comes right. from whatever your theological foundation is. Um, a true story last night in an Uber, um, having a conversation about complementarianism versus egalitarianism, um, you know, just that, that whole structure. And I'm not trying to, um, proselytize on, on, on one or the other, although you can probably imagine which way I land, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, again, you know, I, I don't have a problem with people for whom complementarianism is a theological construct that works for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Typically what I find is that those, those women are women who are married. <laughs> I'm, yeah. And I'm not. So it doesn't work for me. Because <laughs> I'm like, right. well, I have, no, I have no man's covering under which to, you know. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that that's, that is ultimately where the, where, the, where the wrestle comes from. Right. At what point yeah. do at what point is a woman then taking leadership over a man um, and particularly, you know, a, a, as young men grow to be young adults? Mm-hmm. At what point at what point should they no longer be subject to a woman's teaching or authority? Yeah. Um, I just feel like, man, that puts and I haven't really ever thought through that until like, I, mean, I know that, it, you know, I'm in the south, so I'm in a very conservative area. And so a lot of churches kind of fall into some of these camps. And, and one of the things that I notice is that, yeah, most every children's pastor that I know is a woman. Uh, and most every youth pastor that I know is a male in this area. Now that's changing. And, you know, when you get away from this area, it's different, but man, what I haven't really thought of it before, but what a, if, if you, if your view of women is that they shouldn't be leading, what a, what a, what a way to downplay children's ministry to say, we don't think you should be leading, but you can lead the kids. Like, and I, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever really processed that reality but I mean is that what that feels like to you yeah I think there's a little bit of that for sure um I think I think the other thing that's important to note is that a lot of what we have classed as um see this is the thing is that there's there's like there's 50 different um there's 50 different things that people will say that sound like there's something different but actually come back to this fact of like we're just not sure that a woman can be a youth pastor Mm. And those those are things like, well, we really need somebody who's, you know, who's sporty and can connect with everybody. You know, Mm -hmm. we need somebody who's confident. We need somebody who is, you know, really able to like, you know, connect with boys and, and, and really um, help them engage with, you know, stuff that's very unique to their scenario. Um, There's an assumption Mm -hmm. that, that you'll always be able to find female volunteers in ministry um, and that those female volunteers will will look after the will look after the girls, but there's this idea that oh, like young men need strong input, they need strong leadership because you know where are we as a church if we're not raising strong young men? 
Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but, so as much as you you can unpack all of those layers, we need someone who's like fashionable, who's cool. We need somebody who's down with the street slang. We need to like the reality is is that you know there is a stereotypical image of a youth pastor that's wearing like a, a flat bill hat or or a, you know a baseball cap that can play basketball, that can play guitar, that's down mm-hmm. with skate lingo, that's also into cars that everybody kind of thinks is cool, right? And there's right. an assumption that you know, um, boys want to be like him and girls want to be with him, right? You've heard that line before a thousand times. and that Yeah, but is- never in the former youth ministry, so gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know it's true. You know it's it true. Is. You're, right? No, you're right. You know, you know, um, I, and, you know I, I was going to just, if I could kind of interject a little bit, um, those, all those like stereotypical ideas, like I, even, even as a male, uh, I have gone into interviews and come out of them with, with pastors and, and people on, in church boards saying things like, well, you know, you're pretty cool, but like, you know, I, cause I'm not into sports at all. And so mm-hmm. I know, like, I know that even not fitting that as a, as a male in church, um, is, is a negative in some people's books. And so, um, but at least I have the fact that I'm, I'm male. So that gives me bonus points, but I can't, man, I, you know, I think of those questions when I've been asked them, but then man, to put them in your perspective, um, there's no way you can, I mean, you could be into those things, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're not, you're never going to be male. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I can yeah. give you the, I can give you the hot list of things that have been said to me as a woman, right? Where at least I've, at least I've celebrated their honesty. Um, cause mm-hmm. if we're getting back to, you know, the, like, what is the, what is the hurt? What is the wound? It's the mm-hmm. lack of honesty. It's the lack right. of honesty that I, that I wasted three years of my life, um, in a scenario that actually, the, the promise and the carrot that was being held out in front of me was never true. It was never actually up for grabs. I was always going to be uh, chasing or working towards something that wasn't actually true. And it was only when I pushed them, it was only when I pushed them and forced them to tell me the truth that they actually fronted up to the fact that there was never going to be an opportunity because I was a woman. Mm. Things what? that have been said to me in the past, well, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, if you were married, if you were married, this would be great, mm. you know, because we know that you'd have somebody serving with you. Mm. <laughs> what? Sorry, what? But, but, but even if I was like, I mean, he didn't, he didn't go to Bible school. Like, right. <laughs> he didn't do the work. What are you talking about? I'm not marrying right. you faster. I'm waiting for somebody's, you know, got got a great job with lots of money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I can be a youth pastor. <laughs> I'm like, don't you know how family economics work? <laughs> no, you're both supposed to be poor, Tosh, both of you. Oh, okay. The only way to be close to Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, too much, too much. Uh, so, man, I want to, uh, so you say, you know, this kind of came, this is three years into the process, right? About three, is that mm-hmm. what you said, about three? Yeah. So was there ever, I know I know you've you've kind of mentioned that kind of it felt like it came out of left field um, or or kind of came up is there ever a moment that like now that you're looking back on it you can go oh there was the clue that i missed uh that this church wasn't being honest to me oh it was every day it was Mm. it was it was almost every day as soon as i realized oh the issue here is that they're using one set of language they're using codified language that means one thing uh when you hear it out loud as an outsider but when you're on Mm. the inside it means something else do you think that purposeful or do you think that's just kind of what happens in churches I think it's both and I think it's both Mm. and right I think I think anytime you've been sitting in a 
anytime you've been sitting in um, a, a committee meeting or a planning team where you're talking about messaging and you're talking about, well, you know, we don't want to say this because it might present us like, you know, X, Y, Z. And, and mm-hmm. you've been like, well, but we are X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah, but like, you know, that might not be the most attractive thing to our outside community. What we want them to focus on is our great kids program, right? And I feel like, mm-hmm. I just feel like I've had that conversation a thousand times in my life. And every time that conversation is happening, we are stepping into codified language whereby we're trying to, we're trying to present, present the best side of ourselves, but we're not actually presenting our authentic self. And that's not what, that's not actually what we're, what we're designed to be as the body of Christ. Our authenticity, our authenticity as a church actually invites people into their own authenticity, right? Mm. <laughs> like, it, you know, every person that we talk to that says, man, you know, I'd go to church, but every time I go to church, I just feel like I'm not good enough. And I feel like I'm like, oh, why is that? Oh, it's because we're pretending. And so mm. when we feel that at like a guttural level as individuals, the reality is, is that that does cycle up into our systems, you know? So I think now I look back and I'm like, the clues were there every single time, you know? Mm. Um, the, now, obviously, they were upfront about certain things like, you know, all of the elders were men, they were married, um, but they would say things like, well, you know, we believe that the scripture says that all elders must be men, but they must be married, you know, so that means that the female voice is represented. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sweet. You know, now, now, now back then I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's very reasonable. Well, now mm-hmm. I've got I've got twenty years on that now, right? Where I'm like, I mean, give or take twenty years. Um, let's not get specific, but um, <laughs> they, uh, I've got twenty years on that now, and I realized that that that's that's a that's a caveat thing. That's a thing that's mm-hmm. meant to that's meant to make you feel comforted. Um, you know, yeah. here's a clue. Every time every time a woman who was working for the church, um, either um, I mean, and primarily in the kids ministry. Um, they were either married to somebody who was already on staff um, mm-hmm. or they were um, or they were training um, and they were mar- and they were you know also um, they also you know were, were involved with um, or married to somebody who was um, closely involved to the leadership of the church and that sure. that I think is a big is a big warning sign right when yeah. you don't have- do you think you were willing to kind of accept that because I mean, one, you're young, but two, you have this promise of a potential future where you might be able to change that power dynamic. Um, do you think that is kind of part of why you were able to be like, okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because they're saying, so, so the conversation was constantly, yeah, we'd really like to look at this. And we totally think that this would be a great opportunity. You know, we believe in your leadership and we believe in your gifts and we just want to help you harness those, you know, and focus them in in the right direction. That's Mm. a big warning sign right there. Right. Right, We want to help you focus them and, and, and get it moving in the right direction. Um, you know, there was, there was never, now, now I am able to look back and say, there was never an acknowledgement of, of that. What I felt as a call and a gifting, um, was actually validated. They never validated Mm. that. What they validated was my, was my effort and my availability and my willingness. And they continually said, yeah, you know, we, we want to talk about it at the next, we want to talk about it for the next budget, you know, making some space in here. We want to absolutely, you know, keep having that conversation. Mm. Um, 
and, and when I would say things like, you know, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, I was as bullshit then as I am now, <laughs> um, you know, mm-hmm. so I would push for, well, what does the job description look like and what would the expectations be and, you know, how would we how would we make that transition? And so I was pushing for details and only mm-hmm. ever getting generalities back, right? So, right? so so part of it is I was young. I was young. Yeah. I had to learn how to recognize and spot those patterns. Right. right. And, and the reality is, is that that scenario, that scenario applies to young men as much as it does to young women. You know, yeah. I've known plenty of young men who have volunteered and given of their time for, for years and years, hoping that they'll get, you know, a move up the ladder and that move up the ladder never happens mm-hmm. because there's some, you know, um, the other thing that, 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 you know, I learned to watch out for is anytime anybody said, well, you know, we just want to talk a little bit about character. I want to talk about character mm. issues. Um, anytime that language comes up when it to, when you're talking about um, developing a person's leadership or a leadership or you know somebody who is a leader in development, um, I've noticed this particularly when it comes to women, but but women and men as well. Anytime somebody says, "Well, you know, we want to talk about some some character issues and just you know character development," um, that's usually a catch-all for uh, we're not comfortable about moving forward with this, but but we don't know how to say it, so we're going to couch it in some. And some Jesus mm-hmm. language. <laughs> they could, oh, yeah. they I think anyone that's been fired by a church uh, knows what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, that's mm, okay. Um, so here, here's kind of what I want to, I want to kind of bring this kind of one thought that's kind of come into my mind kind of through this whole story. Uh, and then I want us to kind of, kind of point at what could someone go through, going through this kind of deal with. But there's just this thing that I, I, I notice in the church, um, whether it be with with men or women, um, I do see it. You know, in, in your story, it's all over it. This idea that um, we want people that are rock stars at ministry, that are movers and shakers, that have big ideas, that can make get things done, that are willing to put the blood, sweat, and tears into it, until that person doesn't fit the uh, the mold that we think they should fit. And then I think the church has this weird tendency to shut down people that could be rock stars in ministry. If the church would just get out of the way. Um, <laughs> and, and, it, and it happens like all the time, right? Like this idea of like, man, the thing we admire about you is that you kick butt at ministry. You're here all the time. You, um, you know, I, I know I've as a young person in ministry, there were times that I would put, the church over everything else in my life um, and put all of my energy there more than I should have. Now I've learned to draw boundaries, but um, more than I should have and, and to the, to the betterment of the church. But then when it comes, when the kind of the rubber hits the road, the church isn't there to back you up. And then you feel like, well, what have I, what have I put all this energy in here for? If when it really came down to it, you are not going to back up the stuff you've been telling me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I just said that to say, you know, I think, um, there's kind of two, two audiences I hope are listening when we, when I do this podcast. And one of them, I think, I hope is people that are, are going through the thing that you went through, um, that are able to hear your story and, and how do you, how do you deal with that? And actually we need to come back to, to something real quick with that. But, um, the other people I think I hope are listening are churches that they, <laughs> that they would hear these stories and be like, oh crap, we've done that. Or let's mm-hmm. never, let's never do that. Yeah. Um, because I think, I think the reality is, especially when I have guests on who have worked in churches and have lived that life. Um, I think you may be probably, cause I know what I know of you. So I, I hope that you probably like 
let some people know what was up on the way out. But so many church people don't. So many <laughs> ministry people don't. Is that funny to you? Yeah. Um, so many people don't, man. We we walk out of these churches and we don't we don't say the thing that we need to say that maybe the church needs to hear. And and maybe at that time they wouldn't they wouldn't hear it and receive it. But I hope there's a church out there that, that is listening to this and has been really angry through most of it and is like, oh, you know what? Now I'm I'm receiving that and and we're not going to do that because the reality is is there are churches all over the place that are not that are disingenuous um, about what they do and don't believe and that. Um, that dishonesty, because that's what it is, mm-hmm. um, is is hurting your people. <laughs> and that's it's it, it's it's damaging them. Some of them to the point that they will not come back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and so and if I could jump in on that, um, yeah, the it, the reality is, um, and so here's like just leaving a little secret cat out of the bag. Um, I I came from, and you know, I mentioned this in the beginning. I came from a traditional, a more traditional conservative church background. When I was going through this story, I would still have classed myself as a complementarian by nature. Um, mm. I uh, I know, surprising, right? Um, I actually um, I have um, I have worked really hard to embrace kind of like what I like to call fourth and fifth wave feminism. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't into first, second, or third waves. No, they was no, they're all a little a little militant for me. Um, but, but, but I've, ex- I've been exploring that primarily because I've explored, you know, what, what is it that God has to say about women? Um, and, and what is that as a story? We know women outside of men, just women as women, because there's lots of stuff that people talk about, you know, here's what God has to say about men anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to, and so it's important for me to acknowledge that, um, that even as, um, so at that time, you know, as somebody who was still living in a complementarian framework um, of my own thinking and theology, um, uh, I still have, and having come from that place, I have deep respect for, for you know, whatever, in this particular scenario, um, I have deep respect for, for whatever and however your theological framework um, has come to be and whatever it is that you hold to, because I do believe that people find systems of faith that work for them. Um, and, and whether I agree with them or not, I'm not actually on a mission to, to make sure everybody believes exactly the right thing. What I'm on, I'm on a mission to make sure that, that, that everybody is invited to the conversation at the table. Now, mm. when it comes to that invitation to the table, um, what I think is the most crucial thing is that churches are able to be honest because churches being able to be honest is kind, it is wise it is it is safe and it doesn't mean oh you have to be honest and if you're honest about what you truly believe and what you truly think and and who you truly are as a people uh, in terms of your in terms of your theology in terms of your praxis in terms of your doctrine in terms of your systems and structures all it means if you are if you are truthful and you are kind enough to tell me that up front and to tell anybody else is that means people know whether or not they're safe. They know whether or not mm. they're like-minded. They know what they're going to be challenged on. People might come to your church, and and this has certainly been true in my case. You know, I've participated and been members of and been fully active members of, you know, churches where there have been certain things that I have disagreed with. But the fact mm-hmm. that I've disagreed with those things has not prevented me from being able to participate fully in the life and community of that church and for it to be, you know, a, a, a real, a holy blessing in my life. Um mm-hmm. 
you know, and I would like to think that any community I participate in is is blessed by what I bring also in the same way that we're, you know, blessed by, by what we bring to the body, um, each and every one. Mm-hmm. What makes that possible is truthfulness. What makes right. that possible is honesty. Like, I know that I know that we're going to disagree on these things, but I'm okay with that. And it actually calls us to like a higher maturity because when mm-hmm. we live in, hey, we're just not going to be, be super honest about the tough stuff because we don't want to have conflict. What that means is that we're just, we, we actually live further apart from each other because we, we're not able to draw near to each other. We're not able to, um, to work through the conflict, to learn how to communicate better, to learn how to lead better, to learn how to, you know, bring more life into our community. And, and that's mm-hmm. why I think, um, you know, websites like churchclarity.com are so important, not because they're not trying to make a political statement about what any church should believe on the women in leadership issue or the LGBTQ community. They're not making mm-hmm. statements about whether whether or not you're right or wrong. All, all they're doing is saying, hey, this is what this church's position is um, and, it's, and they have a 100% clear position on it or actually it's unclear what their position is. And if it's clear what their position is, they're, you know, then the website states they're affirming, they're not affirming, you know, they're affirming but in process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I right. think that's such a gift, right? It's such mm-hmm. a gift just to be able to go, oh, like I can come in and be part of this community because I'm, you know, we're, we're going to engage actually on the, on the deep stuff. Um, we don't have to agree to disagree or disagree or have a fight or, or let – let that kind of, you know, key principle of like this one tiny little point um, be be the be all and end all of our engagement and relationship with each other. In fact, mm-hmm. we can just acknowledge, oh, you know, here's here's who we are and here's who you are and here's what we agree on and disagree on, you know, like you like peach, I like orange. Okay, now let's now let's carry on and get on to the big stuff. But because right. we don't talk about some of these issues, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. all of that all of that dishonesty ends up racking up into conflict and I just think you know and maybe maybe I'm an idealist but hey um, the reality is is that I've seen I've seen being honest and being truthful and being clear I've seen that bring far more fruit and far more reward over time um, mm. than than any measure of pretending yeah and I think honestly you know as you when you when you think about churches that are are not being honest about who they are for whatever reason, I think I think the real the real kicker um, that it, it, eventually it comes down to a fear that if people knew who we really were, they would not be a part of our communities. And for churches, that means you know we don't have the money that we think we need, or we don't have the whatever we think we need. Um, but I think it's more it would be it's more refreshing to see a church that's like, yeah, well, you may not agree with this standpoint, but this is where we land theologically. This is who we are. Um, we're going to love whoever in spite of, but you need to know where we're at. And I think that is a much bolder way of being a church than pretending that you're okay with something that you're not just to pad your pews, just to put people in the seats. And I think at the core, it's what a lot of these churches are doing. Um, well, here's if you're not being honest from from the pulpit and if you're not being honest um, you know, in your in your documentation, if you're not being honest on your website, you know, about it's it's not about what you believe, it's about what those practices actually what those beliefs actually look like in practice, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the work that I do all the time, you know, with my with my clients as a transformationist. I'm like, that's cool. Like let's work through your values. But now tell me what that looks like in practice. 
Mm. If we're not actually able to be honest about what it looks like in practice or what we would like for it to look like in practice, then the people in our pews aren't, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I believe in, you know, fidelity and honesty and blah, 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 blah. But I'm still sleeping with my neighbor, Mm. (laughs) right? Like it's just that then people keep those secrets while they're sitting in the church pews. And the the weight of secrecy is heavy and and we we don't need that. We just don't yeah. need it. I agree. So let's let's do this. Let's let's kind of tie a bow on this. I want to I want to do kind of the last two questions kind of together, um, because you know you're obviously removed from this, and um, you know healing is a process, and so you you know you you constantly work at it. But um, you know how do how did how did you heal coming out of this situation? And then what would be your advice to someone? that is in a situation like the one you described where they're, you know, at a church that they're trying to give more and the church is kind of pushing back specifically women because you know, that's what this was about. So what would you have to say to them? Like how, how, do, how do they heal? Like what can you give them some insight into that? Sure. Um, I mean, look, I got to tell you, I have, I think I've cried more over, I've cried more over the hurts that I've experienced. I mean, this is just one story, but why not start, you know, sure. at the beginning I've got, you know, I've been involved in ministry a long time. And so, you know, I could stack them up one, one on top of the other and some of them bigger than others and some of them easier than others to, to move on from. But I can say, honestly, in my lifetime, I've spent more time in tears and on my knees um, over my vocation and my sense of call to ministry within the church and, and, and ministry outside the church. Um, I've spent more time in tears and on my knees about that than I ever have on a broken heart, you know? Mm. Um, and, and, and that is because at, at the crux, you know, it is your identity that's being put to the test when you say sure. this is, you know, in the same way as when, you know, in the same way as if you, you, you lose a career or you, um, or you don't have the success in a career that you want, you know, and, and anybody who's tried to be a writer or an artist or, um, you know, or missed out on that promotion at work that they'd worked so hard for can, can relate to this, um, and so you have to do the healing work of identity um, mm-hmm. to to go through the process of, you know, acknowledging, okay, you know, w- what could I have done better here? Um, you know, what could I have learned sooner? Um, so that's often the reflective, you know, looking into the past question and then the looking into the future question. What can I take from this situation? What can I learn from it and apply in the future? Because as soon as you have a proactive plan for how you can you know, how you can change how you, how things are going to be both today and in the future. Um, you would be amazed at how much healing power that unlocks in your life. Um, mm. And oftentimes we spend time, you know, trying to pray away the hurt, trying to pray away the pain, um, but but actually proactively planning um, <laughs> is, is a really great way to take away the pain. Um, mm. and, and I think that that's really helpful. You know, the big thing... Um, that I would say um, having journeyed through a number of these big hurts um, is that one of the things that we have a tendency to do is process our pain out loud. um, And that processing of our pain out loud can sometimes actually lead to greater pain. Now I'm not saying, Oh, don't Mm. talk to anybody. But what I'm saying is um, the way that you feel right now, um, uh, when you say, say, say something's happened yesterday or the day before the way you feel right now, and the feelings that you're experiencing and your viewpoint on all of the players in that situation um, is not going to be the same today as what it's going to be in three months or six months mm. or five years or 10 years. But what you say today 
will stay in the minds of people because they mm. don't they don't remember they don't remember what you said five five years after it happened. They remember what you said in the heat of the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think you know a huge part of of healing and healing wisely is being proactive about choosing how to plot your own way forward, um, which is that, mm. you know, remembering that how you feel right now is not how you're going to feel about it forever. So allowing yourself some time to feel and express the emotion in safe places mm-hmm. and then give yourself the time to see how those feelings change and develop over time you know what we say from our mouths actually becomes what we believe it becomes what we hold true so the more that we the more time we spend um now i'm not i'm obviously i'm not being totalitarian here um it's it's very important to express your pain in safe places however (laughs) uh if you get beyond the point of i'm expressing what's happened to me so that i can acknowledge it so i can make a plan and i can move on if you end up locked in telling the story of your pain over and over and over again, you will keep living in that pain over mm. and over and over again. So so in terms of healing, you, you have to actually make a plan for your healing. You, you have to make a plan that, that is proactive, that is moving forward into the future, that is acknowledging hurt, but also leaving the hurt behind and taking what's useful from that experience forward into the future. Um, that is the that is the best advice, and I know that that probably sounds really kind of boring and unspiritual, but the reality is is that um, is that most of what we call spiritual healing is the comfort of the Holy Spirit um, mm-hmm. and the comfort that comes from um, a sense that we are not alone. And comfort is not the same as healing, right? Morphine mm, is word. not the same as cure. Mm. <laughs> so it's important to remember that sometimes we sedate the symptoms. Um, but that healing actually involves proactive work. Wow, that's good. That's so good. Um, I just want to kind of, that, that's awesome. Uh, I want to point people to Church Clarity. Um, you brought that up. Um, I do want to point people that are, you know, that are struggling with an issue of of honesty uh, when it comes to what a church believes. If you're buttoned up against that, um, I think, I, you know, you just introduced me to that resource the other day. Um, but that's a great place for someone to go and look and find a place that's safe and a place that is, um, where you can go so that maybe you don't have to deal with the dishonesty. Um, so that's a great place for you to go. I just want to encourage anyone that is, that's dealing with this issue, um, to not let yourself be lied to. I know that sounds, I mean, the harder than it sounds, right. But, um, but just, just be aware, just be aware for the things that, that could be signs that something's not right. Um, and you know, I know that again, you realize that in retrospect very often, but maybe this conversation has helped you to see, uh, some of those places and, um, yeah, Tosh, thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, where can people find you, uh, on, on the good old interwebs? (laughs) So many places. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) It's a little crazy. Um, uh, but you know what? I'd love to point people to the transformationist.org. Um, so I work as a transformation strategist with people, um, either in, uh, in group settings with churches, with not-for-profits, um, and helping people make really proactive, um, and pragmatic roadmaps of change. Um, my work is primarily values and outcomes based. So um, helping people actually get in touch with that authenticity um, and then make a plan to make sure that they are expressing the truth and honesty of who they are, whether that's at work, at home, um, in ministry or in life. So the transformationist.org, um, you can uh, you can reach me there or you can, you know, just look me up on the Insta um, at Tash McGill is where you will find me. 
Right on. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming out. And uh, guys, we'll see you next time with another episode. Hope this has been good for you. Hope this has helped you heal some. And uh, just thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening. If you liked this podcast, be sure to go on your podcast app of choice and leave us a rating and a review. That will help us tremendously as we move up through the ranks. Also, if you would like to share your story on the podcast or just share your story to me so I can bring it on the podcast, you can email me at whenchurchhurtsus at gmail.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Josh McLemore and I would love to hear your story. Also, recently, we have joined the Facebook world and so we are on facebook um you can find us at when church hurts us on facebook or you can search for church hurts and we will come up there in the results please join that community that'd be another great place you could share your story talk back and forth and also stay updated on what the podcast is doing thanks guys